Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to episode 12 of the Leading Off Podcast. Of course, as always, I'm Matt Braun. Who am I joined with over here? Hey everyone, Cooper Carlson here, bringing you our first episode where the Twins are not only in first place. Ow! should be good. Wow, that's true. Oh, yeah, that kind of just hit me, man. That one sucks. So, <laughs> just kind of, just saying that out front, right, don't you? Like, save that for like a little bit, like a few minutes in. Come on. Yeah, I can get right into it. What is this, week 12 now, I think? Week 12. Well, this is our 12th episode, I suppose. So I don't think we – we didn't start when the season started, so this is uh, about – probably shouldn't talk about that anyways. But we got a, a hot, ready, to, uh, fresh um, podcast ahead of you. Lots of stuff to talk about. Of course, we'll talk about the week in review, how that went. Spoiler alert, not well. Uh, we'll talk about – like uh, Cooper just said, the standings are now tied between Minnesota and Cleveland. Talk about the starting rotation woes, uh, <laughs> and then be a little bit more specific on Jose Barrios. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about Devin Smeltzer and kind of my uh, the outcome I see for him. Uh, we're going to talk about Jonathan Scope and his uh, potential future on the team. We're going to talk about the injury news. Uh, actually, well, some bad, but some good. You know, generally how it goes. Not as bad as last week, I'd say. Uh, some fan questions. You guys really need to get back on this. Come on, we only get it. We only got a few this week. First week was awesome. Now we're just like, ah, you're killing me. But uh, then, of course, the eternal question: Did Martin Perez do his job? Again, just burned into our uh, itinerary here. Uh, do some prospect talk, uh, and then looking ahead to the next few series. So, first series uh, was against Atlanta, and you're going to tell us how that went. Right, so the Twins went into this week, starting with Atlanta and Cleveland, of course, and we, we all said to ourselves, you know, this is biggest week of the year. Here we go. Um, playing seven games total. he got to take three at a minimum, but four is the goal here. So the Twins went in, took a total of two games in this week, and that's kind of depressing. So it started off, started off great with a 5-3 to three win against Atlanta. Jake Odorizzi throwing a great game going six innings. I mean, he was great, and it was the Sano walk-off, got us all going. We were all pumped for the week. There you go. Twins are going to carry us to the playoffs here. And then game two rolled around, lost 12-7. And then, you know, that was no good. Everything was going horribly. And then the third game rolled around. We did a little better on that one, holding them to just 11 runs and losing only 11-7. Overall, lost two of three of the Braves. Yeah, it's not good. Lost two of three of the Braves. A good team, you know, someone that could, you know, possibly be in the NLCS, maybe not the World World Series, because I think the Mets are going there now with, Oh, well, they're playing, but, yep. <laughs> okay, well, let's yeah, calm down a little bit. Let's calm down before we start making statements like this. Just like last week we were bashing on him, now he's saying they're going to the World Series. What's up with this? Okay, 
one thing to get out of the way here. I think we owe the New York Mets in a very large apology. <laughs> okay, I, I yeah. This is well deserved. Yeah, I, we I even had the same we thought. Went, we went in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I had the same thought uh, today where I was just watching them, and I, I think they ended up losing today. But I mean, yesterday when you got a pinch hit home run from Luis Guillermo, however the hell you pronounce his name, 100 career at bats. So it was 100. He did not have a major league home run, and he hits one to uh, either tie the game. It was tie the game against Fernando Rodney of all people in the Nationals. And you know when that that's like some uh, team of destiny kind of thing. So you're like. Well, maybe there is something to this team. But, yeah, I guess we need to issue an apology. They're now back in the NL wildcard race, which is kind of BS if you ask me. But, uh, yep. I'll make a, a bold prediction since I was all, all in against the Mets a while ago. The Mets right. are going to the NLCS this year, so that's my prediction. So watch out for that, everyone. There you go. At least we stick to our guns and totally don't shift on a week-to-week basis. <laughs> Hey, that's, I'm sticking with that one. No matter how bad it goes, the Mets are going to be led by Strowman, Syndergaard, DeGrom, Steven Matz. The rotation of the greatest of all time is going to bring them to the NLCS, and who knows from there. Oh, jeez. Hey. Man, this is, I can already tell this is going to be a weird episode if we're going to be making statements like that. Uh, is, it's uh, going to be great. It's going to be fun. Uh, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know about great. I didn't use that adjective. Hey. But anyways... Let's get back to the series they actually played, uh, with stuff we should talk yeah. about with the Twins. Against Atlanta, I mean, they just got roasted. There's, like, no two ways about it. Uh, the first game, it was, just, it was so much fun. Had the walk-off with Sano. You know, the bullpen did kind of blow it a little bit, but it was a little bit sus, some suspicious defense. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, when a guy hits the walk-off home run in that fashion, you kind of get excited, and I got excited. And then immediately the next two games just came out and laid eggs. Uh, so 12-7 and 11-7. And both of those games were, like, decided basically by the third inning. And it took, like, some uh, some fun, like, offense stuff in the eighth and ninth to basically make it even a somewhat close game. And Miguel Sano hit the most predictable three-on-home run uh, on Wednesday to bring it within four. We were like, well, at least the run differential ain't screwed, so that's cool. But, <laughs> I mean, I mean, they got destroyed. There was no there's no other way of putting it. And it was, it was really disheartening. When a, when a good team comes at home, then you're like, oh, after the first game, you're like, man, we're going to see some good games, and then you don't at all. Yeah. I mean, I, I had the privilege of going to that third game, actually, and it had to be the most – it was, I don't know, there was nothing good about it. They were down by three after first half inning. The only real highlight was Dan Hayes on Twitter. He telling me he was going to break my kneecaps, but besides that, <laughs> nothing much. I was going to say that. Uh, Dan Hayes revealed himself as a hitman. He was going to go get you. <laughs> that and, idea, uh, yeah. and there was the second triple play of the year for Martin Perez and the Twins. That did happen. Oh yeah. After they, you know, scored three runs, they've got the bases loaded, five straight hits, and Martin Perez pulls the old triple play out of his sleeve, and crowd goes wild for the six-zero deficit. But hey, <laughs> it's a triple play, I guess. Hey, ignore the weird. ignore the score. Just ignore the score. It doesn't. It doesn't yeah. No. It, yeah, it was strange. It was strange, but. Then immediately after that, uh, the schedule does not really get any easier because now we we have Cleveland at home for four games, and uh, first and foremost, I have to I have to say it I was finally incorrect. For seven straight oh. weeks, I was correct in my predictions. The voices in my head told me the the correct things to say, and then this week came tumbling down. I predicted the Twins were going to take three. The exact opposite happened. Cleveland ended up taking three, and I mean that's the real tragedy here, isn't it? 
Yeah, and then I went in your comments to be all, you know, jerk-like and tell you how wrong you were, and I was like, no way, Matt, no way that this, you know, they're going to split here, no doubt, you know, all okay. confident, and then they didn't even do that. Like, it wasn't even, you got nothing going here, man. <laughs> no, we just, no mojo whatsoever, uh, much like the Twins, if you ask me, but uh, hey. this was, yeah, yeah. This was just another continuation, basically, of how the Atlanta Braves series uh, ended. The first two games, again, were not particularly close. The second game was to a degree, but, again, it was like a a really late comeback. uh, Made it so at one point it was a one-run game, and Trevor May came in and immediately gave up a solo home run, so it was a two-run game, and then they never scored beyond that, so it didn't really matter too much. Uh, so that was disheartening. It was basically four straight games against a quality opponent that they just punted and just had terrible, terrible games. Uh, the third game, Saturday's game actually went well. That was a, a nice, well-played game. Jake Odorizzi won two games. Uh, actually, he didn't get the win in the first game, but both games he started the Twins won, so maybe he was the good luck turn. Uh, but he went uh, five and two-thirds, shutout. Very sus shutout because he walked like everyone and their mother. And I'm pretty sure as a guy in scoring position every single inning, still somehow held on. Uh, the offense did enough. The defense was actually really good. So, hey, they won a, a nice three-run game. Everyone was happy until today happened, and now everyone's very much not happy because they uh, – well, that was right. Should, should I just go straight into what happened, the specific events of today, or – I don't know. Do you have, do you have any uh, other thoughts? I mean, yeah, just get right into it. We'll talk on some more of this later, I suppose. All right, so let me let me set the scene. I'm very good at setting scenes and describing stuff, I feel like. So the Twins are down by two, heading into the ninth. 3-1 game. It was kind of a strange game because uh, Cleveland put up two in the first and then I believe another in the third, and Brios just looked all out of whack and then settled in and ended up going six. Uh, Six-plus actually started the seventh, but was taken out. So that was actually surprisingly decent outing. Uh, that counts as a suspicious quality start in the way we describe it, but mm-hmm. considering the way it started, it could have been much worse. Uh, then uh, something called an Aaron Savale uh, just matched him completely, gave up uh, one run. Did he Did he even give up the one uh, one run, or is it someone else? I can't remember. Yeah, he gave one up in the second inning, the sack play. Oh, that's right, the sack play. Yeah, there was like eight fly balls at that inning and finally scored a guy. Uh, <laughs> but anyways, it was 3-1 going into the ninth. Uh, lead-off double hit by Rosario off Brad Hand. Then Garver strikes out on a ridiculous slider. And you're like, okay, this is kind of interesting because uh, Rosario was basically on the first pitch. It was really funny because I'd noticed that, like, he'd been taking first pitches because it seemed like the Twins were like, hey, dude, you're swinging a lot and it's not working. And uh, But he's like, I'm going to swing anyways. And it worked out. So I guess I guess you can't complain there. And then uh, who else? But Luis Arias, of all people, because it has to be Luis Arias, steps up and hits a single right by Jason Kipnis, burned a hole in his glove, scored the run, and now you're only down by one, and now everyone suddenly is like, oh, huh, interesting. Suddenly this got very, very intriguing. And then CJ Crone steps up to the plate, and he fouls off what had to have been 100 pitches that were right down the middle. I swear on my life, I had never seen so many pitches just go right down the shoe, and he just kept fouling them off. And I'm like, I, technically, this is a good at-bat, my dude. You should have, like, deposited one in the deep left field by now. This is getting frustrating. Eventually, he did ended up hitting a single in the left field, so that was nice. I didn't feel completely lost. Uh, and then after that, uh, Marwin Gonzalez stepped up. And on an 0-2 pitch, launched a double in the left, scored one, 
Uh, oh, let me let me actually. Uh, I'm I'm getting ahead of myself. What happens when Sudeikram gets on first? Uh, naturally, you pinch run for him. So, uh, oh, again, we're we're with this. Who pinch runs for him? But Ari Adrianza, who has basically the exact same sprint speed as CJ Crone was like 26.2 feet per second. Not per second. That can't be per second, right? I'm making that up. That'd, that'd be a lot. Of fun. <laughs> uh, I? No, I think you're right. I think you're right. Oh, I am right. All right, I just have a terrible judgment of distance, I guess. But anyways, they have like the exact, basically the exact same. But for some reason, people think Adrian's a faster. And by people, I mean the important decision makers on the Twins. So he gets pinch ran for. Uh, the double scores one to tie the game. And then Adrianza gets thrown out by a mile at the plate. And then there's a guy in second, scope tapped out. Uh, what happens the next inning? Uh, Carlos Santana hits a grand slam, and then everyone gets very, very mad. So that was the, the kick in the pants, the gut punch, the whatever you want to describe that, to end the series. And it was essentially that was a, that was a two-game, like, swing. Because it could have been either the, the series was tied, or uh, not the series, but... Yeah, I guess the series would have been tied, and the Twins would have a two-game lead, or Cleveland has taken the series, and now they're back to even. And it ended up being the latter, and everything sucks now. Yeah, way to go. That was, that was yeah. good coverage there. But, yeah, yeah. when um, when Adriana comes in, and all of Twitter seems to know, and all of the world, and every fan seems to know, this is this isn't, this guy's not fast. You got Jake Cave on the bench. What are you doing here? But, hey, it, mm-hmm. it works out. Not Well, no, it doesn't at all. Marlon hits a dub, double in left center, like you said. The catcher catches the ball. He's got time to go fill his car with gas, grab a bite to eat for lunch, come back to home plate, fill with the ball, and he'd still get Ari Adrianza out of the plate. I mean, he had all that time on his hands. He, he's got nothing because Adrianza's just chugging in there at 26.3 feet per second or whatever. I mean, yeah. the exact same as CJ Crown, like fourth lowest on the team or something. And, you know, I mean... It's a bad send overall, a bad pinch runner in there. It's not the guy you want in there. And Twitter went in on him. Everyone went in on Tony Diaz. And, I mean, I guess he only noticed the third base coach's mistakes, but it seems like he had a couple this week. But, yeah, what a weird outcome. No, weird. Well, the thing was it was weird, but it felt very, very preventable, and I think that's why everyone is yeah. – well, I, I know that's why everyone is upset. Because either you pinch run uh, Cave, who's faster – objectively, and then maybe he scores and if that situation comes up, or at least has a better chance of scoring than <clears throat> Adrianza, like you said, with the catcher being able to go catch a movie and then coming back uh, before you can <laughs> tag him. Uh, or you just hold the guy at third, and now you got uh, second and third with only one out. And yes, Jonathan Scope is at the plate, and he's just awful with runners in scoring position, but maybe he luckily doing something or hits a fly ball, and then the, you know that ends up being the game winner. You don't know. But we can't know yeah. because uh, it, it didn't end up going that way, but there's a lot of other situations that possibly could have happened that were, would have been much, much nicer than what ended up being the case. And like I said, they all felt very preventable. Either just pinch it the objectively faster guy or hold the guy at third. Don't do both things wrong. And it ended up being really unfortunate. And then, uh, I didn't even get to it, they put in Taylor Rogers in the 10th. Uh, despite the mm-hmm. fact he threw two innings the day before, and I was the second I heard it, it was funny because I was uh, I was doing something else and I saw uh, or I heard uh, the chain being played in the background, uh, Fleetwood Mac of course, and that's his uh, walking <laughs> song. And I'm like, oh no, they put in Rogers, didn't they? Oh no. And uh, what happened? Okay, he had a cheesy single, a walk, a cheesy bunt hit, 
And then Carlos Santana blasts a Grand Slam, and then I'm like, uh, this had to have happened. There's no way nothing else could have happened. This is just so perfectly, you know, Twins, Minnesota, whatever. This was just destined to happen. Yeah, definitely. It was It was the weirdest inning. It was, I mean, the hardest hit. There was only one hard to hit ball, and it was supposed to be Grand Slam. That'll, that'll happen to you, but I mean, the cheap thing, like you said, the walk and the base hit. I mean, it was all kind of when the, the momentum, the Twins had the momentum for about eight seconds this last game, and it all happened when Marlon Gonzalez was rounding first and Adriano was rounding third. The Twins had all the momentum in the world. Everything was looking on their side. Then he got thrown mm-hmm. out at home, and the momentum immediately got switched back to Cleveland. And you know how that goes when you do something wrong and you watch a play and you've got a chance to win. You don't take it or you don't do it right. Naturally, everything's going to break right for the Indians, and that's that's exactly yeah. what happened. And Twins yeah. paid the price, and their division lead is not there. <laughs> Back to zero. It is the baseball equivalent of balls don't lie, basically. We're just like, yeah. <laughs> this had to affect, it's not luck at this point. It is just fate or whatever you want to call it. It just happens. So uh, a very frustrating end to a frustrating week. I wrote, I, in our notes here, I basically wrote frustrating like eight times because I think that of all adjectives is just the best way to describe it. It's just frustrating on like all counts. You're just like, it's, oh man, so much could have gone in to stop this from happening and end up happening. And you really hope that doesn't come back to bite you. We're kind of coming down. There's still, what, 44 games left. But, you know, every day it's another one off the board, another one off before uh, either the Twins can take a lead or Cleveland takes a lead. And sooner or later you're kind of going to be looking back and pointing at the games like could have saved one there, could have saved one there, could have saved one there, and you would have been in a much better position. So this is going to be one of those that we definitely point at and be like, well, that was the game. Yeah, true. And I guess leading into this, it'll, we'll go into our next segment of, uh, well, the Twins no longer have the division lead that they've held for the whole season, basically, and tied in the standings with Cleveland. And it's, I don't, personally, the only advantage the Twins have, in my opinion, is that easier schedule. I don't think the Twins are a better team than the Cleveland Indians. Do you disagree with me there? Currently, I probably would agree with that. But notice why I said currently. Because... Obviously, I, mm, well, I, I, if the Twins have Buxton, the Twins have Cruz, the Twins have a, a, a healthy Sam Dyson, the Twins have Michael Pineda, I think that's a lot harder of a question than right now, is what I'm saying. So you, I'll ask you this. If you, you take the Indians, they've got Kluber, and, so both teams are completely healthy. Who are you taking right. in the playoff series at this point? Ooh, that, now that's the question. I guess my, to answer that question, I then have to ask, uh, just how good is Kluber? Because even when he was healthy this year, he wasn't good. Uh, same thing kind of with Carrasco. Their ERAs were a lot higher than you'd expect them to be. So that's a tough question. Fully healthy? Put away my bias? Okay, is it a five-game or a seven-game? I have to ask that, too. Wow. Um... <laughs> I'm sorry. All right, I'll uh, say this. If it's seven. Five right. games, five series suck. All right, I'll say this now. If it's a five-game, I'll say the Twins. The seven game, I'm going to say Cleveland. All right, I think they're. I think, I think their starting pitching depth yeah. is a little bit better too. Yeah, definitely. I think the starting pitching each showed that they can overmatch the Twins this series, and it's Twins offense didn't get going in every single game really until the bullpen showed up, like mm-hmm. all four, and they got I don't know the guy you said they pulled Savali out of nowhere, and they got 
mean, Bieber and Clevenger, of course, they're good. They're going to shut you down, but they shouldn't all the time. We've got the, one of the best offenses in baseball for sure, and they didn't stand a chance against those guys. Savali no. was great, and then who was the other guy? Yeah, Plutko was a bit sus, but... Plutko, yeah, he was all right. Yeah. Plutko went deep, but I never felt like he was dominating them like the other guys were. So True, yeah. I suppose. I just, I'm taking the Indians over the Twins right now as a better overall team, I think. Okay, now, right now, right now, does that imply as they are right now? Because I think the big key here, like I said, is still the, the health of guys like Buxton and Cruz. Because, I mean, we all know. We all know the big difference in the Twins when Buxton's healthy and when he's not. So even with everyone healthy, would you still say Cleveland? <laughs> I mean, Cleveland is on a – I think their record is 43-16 and 16 in the, you know, in this current stretch. So that's – I mean, that's – I'm not even, like, hitting the Twins too much in their, I don't know, 30-28 and 28 record or whatever, but mm-hmm. Cleveland's a really good team, and that's that's something to be scared of. It's a toss-up right now between the current Indians and the fully healthy Twins in my mind, I think. So, yeah. Interesting. Only Well, the only reason I also bring that up is because if you do remember, the last time they played in Cleveland, Twins did take two of three. I, I think is not for not. That, I think that's, that is worth something because that was still while Cleveland was in their run. Granted, this was before they then made the Bauer trade, but that was still when they were considered very, very hot. So. Yeah, and I think the Bauer trade did make them, I, don't, I guess, I don't know if it's significantly better, but certainly they got better from it. Puig showed off this series. I mean, he he was, oh, God. I love Yasiel Puig, but when you're playing against him, it's the worst thing in the world. And Sean uh-huh. Reyes is a beast. He's going to get going soon, I guarantee. Hasn't hit a home run yet against their 40 Indians. Puig hit his first this series, sadly. And um, but those two guys as an upgrade in the outfield over I don't know they started the season with Hanley Ramirez out there so <laughs> they're certainly upgrading they're a really good team now I mean at the beginning of the season it was just to say they're not good because they weren't they were playing under 500 ball mm-hmm. but they've come around Jose Mar- Jose Ramirez is one of the best hitters in the game again uh, unfortunately Lindor is going off he can't hit with runners in scoring positions got like an OPS under 600 there that's that's mm-hmm. interesting but anyway. Yeah, they've got Puig and Reyes in the middle there. Santana walks every time he reaches an 0-2 count against the Twins pitching staff for some reason, which is the worst. Oh, that's true. And, and, you know, they're starters. I mean, they've got Clevenger and Bieber, two number ones up there. With Kluber, he's been a number one. Obviously, we know that. He's won a Cy Young. Uh, he's waiting in there. We don't know how good he's going to be, of course. But, you know, he's still Corey Kluber. I think he's not going to be horrible. But, yeah. I'm starting to feel like a Cleveland Indians podcast. I don't know if I like this. Hey, I'm just saying, I mean, the Twins, you know, they're tied with a really good team that has a shot at taking the division from them. I mean, got to talk about them a little here. I suppose so. It's, a, it's really hard for, like, me to consider because just, like, the, just the stark contracts and, like, how they started and where they're at now. And granted, they're very much a different team, and they have different personnel. But I'm just like, how it, – it feels like literally everything is going their way. And that happened with the Twins earlier, and we saw, like, like that, it just evaporates. And so I'm like, I, I keep waiting for it. I'm like, at some point, it's got to stop, right? But then it, it hasn't yet. And so I, I don't – and, of course, I'm biased against them because I don't want them to win, obviously, but – 
I don't know. As like a, I, I don't think I can objectively uh, say how good or bad they are, just like the position I'm in right now. Yeah, that's fair. And they are heading into, you know, a rough patch, I guess, with Boston, who's they're not good, but they're not bad this year. They're weird. They're the weirdest team. Then they played, uh, I think it's seven in New York, four against the Yankees, and three against the future world champion Mets in total. So. Hopefully they lose some games. That I'm just playing now. I don't care about the Mets, but yeah, I just like throwing that out there. And the Twins, they've got the Brewers and uh, Brewers, Rangers for four, and then the White Sox in that same stretch. So, so uh, I mean, Twins could, you know, they could be back up in the lead soon for sure, but I don't know if that's more attributed to the talent of the roster than it is the strength of the schedules. Yeah, and that's kind of what, uh, kind of what I, I mentioned at one point. It's like, well, I, the way I see it, they're going to get Buxton back. I have more optimism that happening. And then, what? I mean, you look at the September schedule, it's Trump and Ultrasoft. And they're just going to run through Detroit, KC, and the White Sox. And you're like, okay, we're going to win a bunch of games. But in the end, what's it going to matter? Because we've seen them play against the good teams. We see them, we've seen them compete, but quotes around compete against them. And, you know, I think that's more indicative of who they are more than just, you know, giving the business to Chicago, who's just been over and dead right now. And it's like, yeah, the win counts the same, but what the how what speaks to the level of the team when you're going to go into the playoffs, you're, then you're finally going to play another good team, and then suddenly, oh, we only take one of three, or oh, we get swept, or and it just looks like a fundamentally different team. So it's like, yeah, the wins, I don't care really. <laughs> as long as they play a yeah. good team and win against good teams, they just, it doesn't matter if they do that a whole lot. Yeah, and for, you know, months or, not, or about a month, people have been saying up to this week that we just reviewed, you know, this will be the test. Can they win against these teams? We know they'll go beat up on the Tigers. And I'm still confident that the Twins will win the division, of course. I mean, I'm not saying they're a better team, like I said. It's just saying we have a really easy schedule compared to the Indians, I guess. And so, I mean, I think they'll win it, but who's going to be scared of us in the playoffs? And who do we even have an advantage over, really? Maybe just the second wild card team, because... The Indians would be the first wild card team in this scenario, but you know, Yankees, Astros, Indians. I'd in a playoff series, I'd probably take those three over the Twins. Well, Yankees is close. I take the Indians and the Astros in a playoff series over the Twins. Yeah, not entirely. Yeah, that's probably fair. I I'd still take the Yankees over the Twins just because. I mean, you know, I don't believe I have to go into yeah. details regarding that. Yeah. Houston, Houston's looking like a juggernaut, and then. Maybe if I talk about Cleveland. I don't know. I feel like putting kind of putting the cart for the horse here. And they were kind of it, – it feels like we're talking about a team that's on the downswing. And, you know, our opinion of them is always going to be poor when it's like that. And I have a feeling in a few weeks when everyone gets healthy and when they do play the few good teams, it'll be a lot different story. Uh, so I don't really want to – do you really want to, like, Haven't bury them? Haven't we been for weeks now? I mean, we've been have saying we, that for a while now, though. It feels like it. You know, every have, other week we're kind of like, when Buxton's returned and when this other player that's now on the I.L. has returned, we'll be better. We'll be off this stretch, and we're still 30 and 28 in our last 58. So, I don't know. I mean, it's getting kind of tiresome, I guess. I guess. I think I think it's more pertaining to Buxton than anything in saying that. You're just like, yeah, yeah you're the but, guy. Please be healthy. But it never is. Sure, and saying for him, uh, when he's healthy again, will be really good. But you know, he comes back and for three games and gets hurt again. There's no guarantee. And there's 
no guarantee on his timetable either right now. It's like saying hopefully by early September right now, and that's that's a that's a ways away. And even then, there could still be some setbacks. So you never know with him. I guess, I guess it's true. As long as I, I just really do not want to see Jake Cave playing in the outfield anymore. I do not want to see that. <laughs> I'm getting tired. Or Kirilov. That sounds good. Kirilov. Yeah, Alex Kirilov. Yeah, hey, I want to I wanna talk about that also. I saw some people steal that. Come on. I called this before also. <laughs> Y'all need to stop. That, yeah, for sure. You stop stealing my tape. <laughs> I'm the OG over here. Come on. I love it. Show me some respect. Anyways, moving on. Wow, we talked a lot about that, actually. But moving on, uh, one of the topics that uh, was probably most pertinent to this last week was the starting pitching woes. And now – uh, the starting pitching, actually, for the for the, this season has been very good, a lot better than a lot of people give them credit for. But this week was just an ungodly mess of crap. So starting um, so starting on the fifth, so this was Monday. So this was Jake Odorizzi's start, which was a good start, by the way. Uh, this was after Devin Smelter had a good start on Sunday. So after that, uh, the Twins' starting rotation is an area of 7.59. This also doesn't include today's Jose Brio outing. Uh, 7.59 and a FIP of 5.71, which is mainly uh, in part to a fact that they have a walk per nine of 6.19, which is uh, second place over that time span is Diamondbacks with 3.86. So there's, uh, what, about two and a half walks per nine in between the highest and the second highest, which is just uh, a ghastly, ungodly number. I don't think I have to say that. That is ridiculous. And, oh, and also they had a battle of uh, .371 against them. Jose was unlucky, but it seemed like everyone was hitting lasers off them. So I, that, I feel a lot of that feels very self-inflicted. But that is uh, like holy crap levels of bad. Just horrendous. When they needed them the most. And then it just caused these short games where you got to – now we're, we're like, oh, thank God, Randy Dubnak saved the bullpen and then we didn't need the bullpen the next day. And it was just a, a, a cascade of crap, if I could say it myself. Yeah, uh, certainly. And when it all starts with your ace, Jose Barrios, you know, giving up nine in less than six innings, it's, you know, it's kind of going to go down the hill from there. And, I mean, all five of them kind of took a trip through. Perez, I mean, obviously, as of late. Smeltzer even, uh, he hit the regression we both kind of saw coming last week. And, yeah, you're hoping for one more good start, and yeah, we'll get to that later. But oh uh, yeah, and Odorizzi, he's actually been a bit of a highlight throughout this. He's looked fine, and he's gaining some more trust from me back because I kind of dropped Odorizzi a little bit. But hey, he's the highlight here. That's good. Although even with him, he was still walking a lot of guys. So you're like, mm, I don't know about yeah. this, but yeah, with the other ones. And then I'll just, I mean, you didn't mention it, but Kyle Gibson, my dude, we walked mm. five. Yeah. He, I mean. And he afterwards, like, I think it was my fastball command. I'm like, dude, I think it was your entire command, actually. <laughs> Holy crap. Could you, mm. uh, might have been yeah. a, a bad time for a bunch of guys to have, like, career worst starts, or at least close to them. Because, oh, my goodness. they It was just yeah, brutal. With Gibson, I think it was – he threw more balls than strikes, right? I think, if I remember mm-hmm. correctly. Or it was, like, no, really he close. Like, he did. 46-44, yeah. Yeah, it was – I mean, the whole day game was just he kind of c- could tell he was off. and I mean, he was able to get some length in, but, we, I mean, it was no good. It was just the worst. It was not a good start, but lightly. It's not. Oh, yeah. yeah. Certainly. Well, uh, the, I I believe with him, I think he's fine. 
because we've seen him be a solid starting pitcher. Again, he's another guy that gets way too much hate. At the end of the day, he's just fine. Uh, with guys like Perez and, you know, Barrios, I'm kind of more worried about those guys for for different reasons. But they have signs of, like, okay, maybe this isn't something we should just brush off. Uh, I heard, you know, doing that, actually, let's just go ahead and talk about Barrios specifically. And today, said he was a suspicious quality start. Obviously, he mentioned the last start he made, give up nine earned runs, which there's no good way to, like, slice that. Nine earned runs is nine earned runs. And what is potentially worrying is his splits after the month of July uh, in his career. So his career ERA, let me drop some notes on you, in August, over 87 innings now of 6.00. So that is 58 earned runs over 87 innings. And it also has his lowest K for nine of his uh, of any month and his highest whip. And then in September and slash October, his career ERA is 4.77 over 77 and a third uh, with a little bit better strikeout per nine, but still lower than his career. So with him, you worry about, uh, you know, what, what would you say that is? Just breaking down as the season goes by and kind of, I think he's the worst candidate to do that because he was always the head of the rotation. He was always the guy where, like, okay, he, the buck stops here. He can, you know, start a streak, end a streak, you know. We can count on him to have a good start. But if he goes down, now you're like, uh-oh, oh, no. Uh, do we have a guy who can do that? I mean, Pineda kind of, but beyond that, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, definitely definitely concerning from him. You mentioned the velocity drop, and that's one of the biggest concerns. I mean, it's probably – a lot due to arm fatigue at this part in the season, kind of carrying a large workload of the team. He's kind of been the guy that, you know, when the bullpen throws five innings the day before, they kind of said, Brios, you know, go throw eight. doesn't matter how many runs you've given up. I think he's done that probably three times this year. And that has a wear and tear on your arm eventually when you're going out there. And I mean, he's got, he, he goes deep in the games quite a bit. I mean, he's one of the better Twins pitchers at that because he's really good, obviously. And I'm, I guess I'm not too worried about Brios. I can say... There might be a 10-day IL stint coming up if when Pineda comes off. I could see that definitely happening, him replacing him there, but he'd miss a start or two maybe just so he can get refreshed. And then I guess I'm not worried for him in the long term in the season, but maybe for the short term here. Does that make sense? Well, yeah, I, for the long term, like career, I suppose, obviously. That's well, no, I just mean long term this season, long term. Oh. I just mean like short term for the next couple of weeks, maybe I'm worried about him, but not. Not up until October, I'm not. Even with those career splits, those don't worry you at all? I mean, I guess they do a little, but, I mean, he's getting better every year, I guess, sort of. So I, I trust Barrios to, to do all right. I think there will be a – he'll continue this bad stretch for maybe one or two, might land on the IL, but I think he's going to recover, and I, I am confident that Barrios will be all right. All right, I – for one, I can't say I agree here. I'm those those splits frighten me to death. I because you know, and the only way you can you know put concerns away is by proving you can't you know you can actually perform at this level uh, in the specific time frame. And granted, two starts is not a nothing sample size, but they've both been absolutely not up to the level that we've seen Barrios. Granted, against offenses that were doing well, but both at home where he's supposed to be really, really good. And, you know, I'm just, it, 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 I'm concerned with the possibility that this could actually turn into a situation. 
where now you're looking at, okay, there's another guy we can't trust as much as we thought we could. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I see where you're coming from. I guess I might, you know, be blinded a bit because I really like Barrios maybe, but, I mean, I trust him in the long run here, I guess, just as my number one guy. He's my number one guy in the playoffs right now, and he's who I'm – I think he's going to step up. I think he's going to be all right. I guess I'm not basing that on any stats. I'm saying this is going to be the year he turns it around. All right. Let's, let's hope for everyone's sake that you're correct in that. <laughs> and for my own, so I can tell you all about it. Oh, yeah, because, you, you know, you've definitely had a lot to hold over my head at this point. <laughs> nice uh, prediction you got going there last week. That was nice. Oh, nice prediction. I'm off on one prediction. Never hear the end of it. Jesus. Anyways. Whatever. Moving on. All right. Whatever, whatever. Moving on, talking about more uh, starting pitching type of deal. I'm going to talk a little bit about Devin Smelter. Because, man, I am going to sound like the biggest asshole in the world in talking like this. I, I know I will. But I, I've seen, I've heard, obviously, a lot of love and support for him and what he's done. And obviously, you know, his story is incredible. Obviously, it's incredible that he can pitch the major league level. But from what I've seen so far and what the numbers are telling me, I do not think that he can be a major league starter. And granted, this is over a 32-inning sample size, which is not a whole lot. So far, the numbers, and there, we did see a little bit of regression uh, this last start, but the, the FIP is 4.43. FIP is usually that uh, does not lie. Uh, and this, uh, so the year right now is 3.66. It was a lot lower before this last start. The last start ballooned it a bit because of some regression. Zav's finally coming up. It's at 250. Once it settles around 300, you're going to see a lot more runs and hits. And his swing strike percent is 8.7% which uh, I looked up, I did some homework, for the major, among qualified major league starters, that would be tied for the 11th lowest. And I don't, I'm not going to name off all the names that are 11th and worse. They're not a bunch of names you want to be around. Uh, this is uh, 2019 Rick Porcello. This is 2019 Jake Arrieta. This is uh, 2019 Mike Leake. These are not guys you will really want to be associated with. And... Uh, also looking around just for, in general, guys around that area for swing strike percent. Again, not a whole lot of guys. Randomly, Zach Grinke and Aaron Nola, which is neat, but, like, for the most part, these are not a whole lot of great starting pitchers. And so I – man, I don't, I don't think he has much of a long-term, you know, you know future in the rotation. I think he he's more of a relief arm more than anything. If I, am, if I was a betting man – I would bet that Lewis Thorpe has a higher chance of being a, a quality major league starter than Smelter. Is would I mean is that just is that just for this year? Are you projecting that for future starts too, or this like year, years? future, all just? So if you ask me, if you ask me right now, who do I want to start tomorrow? Uh, given all things are equal, I take Thorpe. Oh, I mean, yeah, I guess I would too, but I guess, you know, are you saying he will never be a quality major league starting pitcher? I don't know. I, I don't want to say never, but given from what I've seen so far, and granted there is obviously he can adjust and he can, you know, change, you know, based on how other guys are adjusting to him, but what I've seen so far, just based on that, I I don't think he can for the most part. Yeah, I mean, 
and we talked about this a lot last week, and we kind of projected their regression. I mean, because we're two really smart guys who know everything about baseball. So. <laughs> but no, we put out some stats. Of, I think it was the hard hit percent of 45%, league average is 38. The BABIP of 228, the left on base of 100%. Like the signs of <laughs> signs of regression were just like glaring, and they all kind of came out in the one game against Cleveland, with you know no stopping and just kept coming and. I agree with you. I don't think he should be the guy in the rotation right now. Everyone wanted him to take the place of Perez almost immediately, but after seeing both of their starts, I mean, neither of them are really the answer, but Smeltzer isn't the guy to take over for Perez if they ever do pull Perez. And I'm with you on the Thorpe train, though. That's a good one. I think he's definitely, and as we'll get to later, pitching him in a starter role, he could be the guy. I mean, he's been the starter minor league pitcher of the year last year. He's got the Mm -hmm. potential, and He's someone I think we both definitely like a lot up here. So, yeah, it'd be cool. Yeah, I just – it's – I I never like talking about this kind of stuff because I always feel like just a massive asshole. Just being like, I don't think you can be – basically I'm just saying I don't think you're good enough to be in the major leagues, which I suppose is something a lot of people have already said to him considering the fastball velocity and whatnot. But just it's it's – from what I've seen, it's – I'm being honest here – and I really, I, this is another case where I just, I, I love it if I was wrong. If I was wrong, I'd jump for joy mm-hmm. because that means we have a, a, you know, he's a quality major league starter, and that would be lovely. But just based on what I've seen, and part of it might be just from when, whenever there's a broadcast like Morris or Burt, and then they always go off about how you don't need velocity or how he's pitching, he's not throwing, he just makes one up throwing mm-hmm. you the wall. And it's like, well, well, he's getting lucky, that's for sure, um, because he can't not get whiffs and expect to be consistently good. But so that's probably creeping in a little bit. But just it's it's everything. It's the entire body of like the enemy he has to be pretty much perfect to be good. And we've seen in, some, in like the most recent start, uh we, you know, take for example, I'll say this, if Mike Clevenger goes out and walks three or four guys, I think he has the capability to get around that and have a good start. Even Jake Orizzi is capable walked four guys, still end up having a good start. If Devin Smelter goes out there and walks three or four, I don't think he can. I don't think he has the kind of uh, stuff to be able to get around that. And so when everything isn't going perfect, like it was for, say, the Milwaukee start in his first career start, it's just not going to end well for him. Yeah. And you said, you know, he's got to be literally perfect to do well. And people will say, well, then how did he get through four really good starts or whatever? It's because he literally was, like, extremely luckily perfect. Like, with the, I mean, he was outstandingly lucky and, as you said, perfect. Like, with the left on base and the batting average and, the you know, all of his runs came off solo home runs. It was insane. Like, of course the regression was going to hit eventually. Like, you can't keep that up. But, yeah. I mean, I'm, I think he'll be – I mean, not this year. He'll definitely compete for the spot next year because I don't think they're going to – they're not definitely not going to keep everyone they have. I bet they'll sign or trade for one big guy. That's my prediction. But they'll have a spot or two open next year, and him and Thorpe and all those guys will compete for it. I'm not saying he'll get it. I'm just saying he'll be up there and have a chance to be in the rotation next year. So, yeah. Maybe. I, it really depends on how, like, and even right now, like, there's a lot of trepidation regarding his future in the rotation because it's like, well, once Pineda gets back, but then, like you said, if they want to – uh, I.L., Barrios just get him rest, and you're like, well, is Perez going to get back? So there's a lot of ifs and ands and buts and all this stuff. So, 
it feels like for him each start is going to be on a case-to-case basis, whether he even makes a start. But, yeah, like I said, he'll get some chances and he'll get opportunities. But just based on what's happened so far, he's really going to have to he's really going to have to bear down and just be outstanding to kind of change my mind. Yeah, that, I mean, yeah, that's fair. He's not the most flashy guy, definitely, and he's definitely number five in the rotation right now. Even with Perez in there, I think I'd take Perez in the game over Smelter. That might be bold, but I don't think it is. I'd take Perez over Smelter. Um, but, yeah, they're probably going to send him down eventually. I can't imagine him getting many more starts up in the big leagues, if not even one more. I don't know when Pineda's coming back. If, I don't know if you have the answer to that, but... I mean, I'm hoping he's back soon, and he'll most likely take the spot of Smelter. And, yeah, for those looking to get Perez on the rotation, that'll, I don't know what that'll take. That'll take a Lewis Thorpe promotion eventually. It'll, it'll take uh, having to hit Effit, and I, we haven't hit Effit yet. We might in September, but not now. So, for the time mm-hmm. being, it feels like everything's yeah, But, uh, anyways, moving on to that, we're going to – oh, man, this is also kind of a Debbie Downer. Man, we're just kind of being assholes in this episode. This Anyways, sucks. Yeah, this, uh, dream. this one sucks. This is not fun. Go back to winning. Where it, it, it's easy to ignore stuff. Yeah, really. Oh, jeez. But uh, anyways, one of the hot topics has uh, come up is Jonathan Scope and whether his time on the Twins is coming to an end. And I, I don't really have to describe it. Uh, his numbers on the year are just okay, nothing great. Uh, 0.7 F4. You know, 94 WRC plus. Uh, that was even before today, so now it's down to 93. Uh, defense, actually, by Fangrass has been negative. So he hasn't been that great of a player. And we've all seen the win probability numbers have just been awful because he's been terrible with uh, any clutch situation. And then throw in the fact that Luis Arias has come in and basically hit like Tony Gwynn. And you're like, okay, we don't need, right, we, there's no need for scope. And uh, they've sort of they've played it, so it's like Arise is basically now the starter, which didn't take very much time at all, which I, I actually enjoy. But now I'm kind of – I, I kind of sat here, and this was back when Crone was going to come back before a lot of other injuries happened. But I'm like, if everyone is fully healthy, uh, Jonathan Scope is not on a 25-man roster for the Twins. And so now, granted, we talked about that also. The EF feels like that's never come to fruition. But let's imagine a perfect scenario in which it does. Do you hold it out, like Phantom IL someone, until September when rosters expand? Or what, what do you do? Do you DFA him? Uh, what, what are your thoughts? Do you think he's still got a future in the short term here? I I think I don't think he's going to be DFA'd or anything. I think they just keep him on the team. I mean, just for what, less than a month. I'm just going to – I don't think they DFA him a lot of, for, uh, like, clubhouse morale. I mean, I know everyone likes him at least. That's I don't have any – I'm not ever in the clubhouse. That's just the vibe I get. But I think people like Jonathan Scope, and it's just kind of be weird in the middle of the season. DFA, the guy who's been there since the beginning, starting second for you for most of the year. But on the actual baseball side of it, you're definitely right. He's not producing with runners in scoring position the most. He's hitting 167 with an OPS of 665. He's just not getting the job done overall. And he's he's not even he's not in the starting uh, lineup anymore. Like he starts maybe once or twice a week. It seems with especially against righties, you'll, you'll rarely see him in there. They threw him in there today against the righty just because kind of overdue it seemed. It's, you know, he's just not playing ever. And he once again looked awful. He struck out a couple times, ground out to third in the huge spot in the last inning, the, well, ninth inning. And um, 
I don't, I guess I don't see him being DFA, but he was a guy that I had a lot of hope for coming in the season. He was someone I really liked coming in. I, I projected him to be actually, like, maybe at also star level, and that's what he was for a month and a half at the beginning. And he just fell off completely. And, yeah, I don't think he's going to get back to that level, but I doubt they DFA him. I just think they're going to keep him on there for when Rosses expand. He's not going to get much playing time, as we said, but against the occasional lefty, they'll throw him in there. All right, I, I think you're right there. This really just stemmed from me thinking about it, and I was like, if, and again, we talked about this, a big if, if everyone is healthy and you're looking at a 25-man, I just don't see a space for him. So then my, my brain immediately went for it, and if you, there's no space for him, why is he still here? You know, what is he still doing? Obviously, there's clubhouse things beyond that, and from bits and pieces I've heard, like he's a great clubhouse presence. So you they consider that, while well, we can't possibly know that, so obviously that plays into it, but I, I, I just don't know. And this is just, it, this, they only signed him for a one-year deal, and with the way Ryan is hitting, you're like, okay, I don't think they're going to re-sign him. He's going to leave to be a free agent, and uh, beyond that, whatever that is, but it doesn't seem like it was a very, it wasn't exactly the best choice here. Wasn't a, he did not live up to expectations, I don't think. Yeah, it was a good buy low signing, I guess, because he was kind of get a really off year last year, and people thought that was going to be a fluke. But he's, I mean, he's definitely not having that year that everyone thought he would. Well, not everyone. The Twins front office thought he would have, and I don't remember if there was exactly better options out there. Maybe a guy like uh, DJ LeMayhew, or no, that's fine. But Why? you know, <laughs> Why? there was, you know, there was rumors. There was rumors. There was rumors, but. Uh, they got scope instead, and he did perform for a little, but yeah, definitely, uh, not, not gonna be, if they make the play, I mean, if they're going into the playoffs, I don't think he's just on a playoff roster, and I don't, also don't think that's like a hot take or anything. He's yeah. just not the guy. Yeah, I agree. So, it's kind of unfortunate, just gonna wait out, kind of ticking down the, the clock there, but I, I asked the right choice. It's the right decision. So, mm-hmm. moving on, we're talking about, uh, injury news. Did have an injury, uh, Nelson Cruz. Uh, what is he? Wasn't a severed tendon, but he would he break a tendon in his uh, wrist or something. Uh, ruptured. That was the correct word. They got all this medical mumbo jumbo. I know none of it, but ruptured a tendon in his hand. Uh, by the sound of it, it actually isn't that bad. For he claims he's not in any pain whatsoever. And we talked about it when Morneau. It happened to Morneau in 2012. He said he actually felt better. So. I don't know how the human body works. That sounds a little suspicious to me, but the good news is it doesn't sound like he'll be out for long, which is good because he was annihilating baseballs at a comical rate. It would be very, very uh, helpful to the offense if he came back. So doesn't sound like much longer than 10 days. I think he's going to see a specialist uh, tomorrow or today when this drops, on uh, Monday. Um, so we'll know more then. But that sounds a bit, considering some other injury news regarding the Twins, Fairly optimistic here. Yeah, I mean, not much to touch on there. Just he was hitting the lights on the ball. Indians were all Indians fans were all coming at us saying he's on roids. Him and you know because he's better than anyone they have. So hey, keep going at that. But it's all good. You know he's hurt now, but he's you know the presence in this lineup that can carry it to a whole new level, and it'll be good to have him back whenever he comes back. Hopefully it's not long term. Doesn't sound like it'll be. So yeah, sounds good. This is interesting how people uh, treat the guy when he pops, what, six years ago or whatever it was. Obviously, he's still on it. Yeah. It has to be. 
Which that, that actually, <laughs> this is a complete aside, but never made sense to me. Because wouldn't you, as MLB, if a guy get popped, wouldn't that make it so that you test him even harder? Because now he's got a history of doing it? I don't know. Yeah, I, I guarantee you they test the 39-year-old hitting bombs at a comical rate. Like you said, like, there's no way they ignore that. So I'm sure he's been tested. I mean, come on. Yeah, come on. It's not like they've seen him hit 450 and they're like, okay, this is normal. So <laughs> I I don't know if people just like to get mad at us, but moving on. Yeah. Um, more news, positive news. Uh, like Pineda, we talked about he's on the IL. He threw a bullpen a session yesterday. So it sounds like he's doing well. It didn't sound like anything was wrong there. And Sam Dyson, I don't believe he threw a bullpen, but he was throwing, which is good considering he has a biceps issue. It would be really, really nice to have both them back sometime soon uh, to boister then the starting rotation and the bullpen at the same time. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, it's kind of with Dyson, I never brought this up in the other uh, when we were talking about the series, but I found it funny. Is before the trade deadline, we are talking, like, it would be really nice to have a, another, you know, shutdown reliever so Taylor Rogers wouldn't have to go multiple innings. And then after the trade deadline, Taylor Rogers still had to go multiple innings. So you're like, huh, weird. But part of that was the Dyson injury that threw a wrench into it, so it's not really their fault. But just keep that in mind. It'd be, as I said, really, really nice to have him in there. So in a situation like they found stuff in today, they could throw in Dyson in the tent instead of Rogers on no risk. But it is what it is. Man, you're you're actually – I mean, I'm not even confident in Dyson right now to go get a shutdown inning, I guess. I mean, maybe you are, but I'm excited to see him back. I'm excited to see how good he is when he's healthy, I suppose. But, you know – I'm not, like, you know, I'm still down on him a little, at least. See, I'm I'm not, simply because from uh, everything it sounded like is that it was just purely his injury. And I guess we could talk about it a little bit more. Uh, Nick Nielsen wrote a great article about it, kind of describing, you know, the possible out, the, the three situations that could have led to this happening, which is either the Giants knew this and lied, uh, the Twins knew it and decided to trade for him anyways, or Sam Dyson didn't tell anyone until he joined the Twins, and I don't know which one is the worst situation out of all of them, but all of them are pretty bad. But at the end of the day, I was kind of like, okay, that sucks for now, but if you can just explain his ineffectiveness due to injury, like, you can get back to that. You can get back from an injury. So I, I'm not too worried on that front. If he gets back and healthy, I don't see any reason why he shouldn't be back to the Sam Dyson from earlier. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess. I'm, I'm just not – confident in Dyson. I hope he comes back to hurt me here, or like, not, well, not physically, but, you know, prove me wrong. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, I like I like the pickup when it happened and all, but everything I've seen from him and some stats I've seen and just not good signs I see coming from Sam Dyson, but I hope he, I hope he proves me wrong. He'd be great. Yeah. I don't know. No, he'll prove you wrong. I can guarantee that. You're going to be very proved wrong. So. I don't think that will be unproven, but we'll see. Unproven. Uh, debatable English here. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Anyways, moving on to fan questions. Finally, we got a few. Uh, you guys are killing us. But the the first one, we kind of talked about this. There isn't really much of a question as a reaction. Should the Twins fire Tony Diaz? Of course, Tony Diaz, the third base umpire. Uh no. You guys are just assholes. Uh, sorry, he's – I've seen a lot of people come out recently. They're like, man, he's such a bad third-base umpire. But I'm like, literally over the last, like, in between uh, that Blue Jays game at the beginning of the year where Crone got a third, which I still agree with sending him there, but that's beside the point. 
between that and a few days ago when Crone got thrown out by Puig, I cannot remember a time where Tony Diaz had a bad send. And like you mentioned, it's very – third base umpires or third base uh, coach is a thankless job because they only recognize you when you do your job poorly. So I'm like, I, you guys are just reacting. Come on. So give my man a break. He had a few bad sends, yes, but I still think he's good. Okay, well, how many of his good sends do you remember then, huh? <laughs> I don't remember any sends. I don't remember this kind of crap. Yeah, exactly. Until who, someone gets thrown out by a mile, but then it's his who, fault completely, and he should be fired, but no. You are an absolute psychopath if you ever watch a game, and you're like, man, that was a really good send there. You are. <laughs> that is some, like, a beautiful mind type of crap. I do not want to be anywhere near your vicinity, because that is some weird stuff. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, it's nice. And, like, first base coach, like, you see that fist bump he just gave him? Yeah, he's on fire. <laughs> Man, that was a hearty slap <laughs> on the ass there. I like that guy. Yeah, no kidding. I was, uh, it's I was kind of worried yeah, about that. Like, don't fire him. No. No, go ahead. I was just going to be aside, so. Oh, no, I was just literally saying don't fire him. Oh, Get in your side story. It's not interesting. Cool. Now, I was going to say, my question was, I've always wondered what first base coaches do, other than just, like, be a glorified hype man. Where it's just like, like a guy hits a solid single and he's like, man, you're the man. Just like slaps him on, you know, gives him a slap on the ass, takes his equipment or whatever. Oh, like, gosh. Yeah. And like, or you're like yelling back in a pickoff. Like, is that it? Because first base coach sounds like a really good oh, job, actually. Yeah, I mean, I guess they might also get signs in case the batter can't quite see over there or something. Like, and then he whispers it to him with his hand over his mouth. Like, what's he saying? He told you to yeah. steal. Yeah, I know. I know. I mean, yeah, they go and get their equipment after a double, like, high-five them, and their base coach is nice. It's great. I mean, I'm sure, you know, they do stuff, but hey, it'd be a great job. Maybe. I mean, from from what we can see, it doesn't look like a whole lot, so keep the good work up, Tommy Watkins, I guess. No one <laughs> no one doesn't like you, so you must be doing a good job. Uh, yeah, I, suppose, I mean, he's not missending anyone or something. He's not miss. I guess not. Uh, maybe, yeah, maybe I guess that's it, too. He could, like... I don't know, like a double into the corner or whatever. You can be like, oh, we're stopped. I guess that would work, too. <laughs> yeah, go or stop. He's really good at the go or stop. Go or stop. Yeah, that, that's what he says specifically. He says, go or stop. Uh, well, that's a terrible joke. Yeah. It's it's good, though. I like it. We're, we're really hitting the comedy. I mean, I'm sure everyone's <laughs> laughing right now. Sure. Everyone's laughing as the twins are no longer in first place by themselves. Everyone's laughing at this. We're just we're, we're trying to lighten the mood here because the first half of this podcast was just dark. It really was. It really was. I'm trying to I'm trying to bring this back up. So yeah. moving on to the next question. That's an actual like. Well, it's not even a question. So I lied. Oh, yeah. but, uh, more of a, a coherent thought. Our boy uh, Carl uh, Gossman, just a city boy again, uh, recurring guest technically if you think about it, but. He uh, said, base running is an issue. Sixth worst in the majors, according to Fangraphs. Uh, the only worst uh, team by base running, uh, October hopes, is the Astros. Uh, but they mask with elite starting pitching and a general better lineup. That's got to come back to hurt in October with better pitchers. I agree with that thought. I never actually, like, thought about the base running because it was, like, hilariously bad last year. And I guess I didn't notice it as much this year, but... Yeah, it's kind of been bad, which is frustrating when it was bad last year and, and something still is bad. You're like, we knew this was an issue. 
yet we've done nothing to fix it, or you know, what's what's going on here? Yeah, I mean, how do they even track that, like, for stats, like, in numbers based on anything? You know what they do, even? I mean, uh, I guess. Well, I think, you know, and I'm not an expert here, but it uh, takes into account, obviously, like, getting thrown out, stealing bases for simplicity, but also uh, taking extra bases uh, when there's an opportunity. Sure. Like, going uh, first to third on a hit to the outfield or stuff like that. It goes a bit more in-depth. I don't have the time or uh, yeah. reading comprehension to describe that right now. If you feel so inclined, go to Fangraphs and look up yourself. They have explanations for other stats. But that's oh, okay. kind of the general gist of it, um, just avoiding getting thrown in outs. And I've kind of recently, I feel like it's reared uh, up where just like, man, it feels like they keep getting thrown out and caught in in between bases and – yeah, it's it's simple, but it can really come back to haunt you because that's an extra out. Now you're cutting it down from 27 outs to 26 or even, like, 25, which is, you know, you're already working a slim margin there. You don't want to cut it even shorter. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right. And I guess I don't take too much into account the base running stats because I, I don't know. I don't know how to – I don't take a whole lot into it. I think they're – I guess they're not – Everyone's going to complain because they got thrown out at home a couple times this week. And yeah. they don't, I mean, they're not a team with a bunch of speed, so I guess base running would have a bit of an importance. But, I mean, not something I take too hard, I guess. If that makes sense. Well, you know what? No one has ever gotten thrown out on a home run. So. Exactly. It's a bomber squad here. That's I mean, it. Well, That's their. When, yeah, I mean. I mean, they have a lot more of those than anyone, so they have a lot less chances to run the bases. So maybe it's just small sample size here that we're taking, you know? There we go. You've gotten to the heart of the issue. <laughs> there it is. They hit there. too many home runs. Too many home runs that we don't have enough of a sample size. Maybe that's why Kansas City's so good at it, because they don't hit any home runs. Oh, oh wow. Look, we've actually figured it out. Crack wow. the code. <laughs> this is what we do. We're breaking new ground on this podcast. I love it. This is impressive. Impressive stuff. Really breaking out the big guns here. But that was uh that was it for fan questions. Thank you for the two people that decided to make uh oh, observations. One of them was uh, in sarcastic because the other the one about should they fire Tony Diaz, it was given it was like one of the vote things, it was given two options, yes or yes. So obviously that was done <laughs> yes. Uh but Carl was real because that was an actual concern, so I don't know what to say for that beyond, yeah, it's a concern they should fix this. I don't know how you'd go ahead and do that, but you should do that. So, Moving on, the eternal question that, you know, strikes everyone, did Martin Perez do his job? And this week, I think it's a resounding no. No, he did not. Holy crap, he had a terrible outing. He just got roasted by uh, Atlanta. It was just terrible. Now, you, I, I'm going to need you to help me a little and kind of filibuster as I try to look up the numbers. Because I saw some numbers, like, over his recent, like, starts. So I'm going to go search for those as you talk. Oh, sure. Uh, Martin Perez, yes. Uh, he is, uh, well, you say eternal question. Oh, well, I got some spoilers, everyone. I don't think this will be an eternal question for long because I don't think he's going to be on, you know, this starting staff for long. So this eternal question could turn into a not-so-much-every-week question. See, I'm going to keep talking like this until Matt gets his numbers pulled up because... All right, 
I'm going to stop you right now. Uh, not just because it sounded stupid, but actually because I opened up Twitter to look up where I found those numbers. Uh, we were talking about, uh, you know, Adrian's and his uh, sprint speed. Uh, and so Jake Cave is, was fourth on team at the sprint speed of 27.6% uh, feet per second, and we were talking about Cave is much faster. Uh, Do Hyung Park decided to come okay, in yeah. and just drop a number. Yeah. Adrian's is – what? I was totally going to bring this up later. I'm looking at it right now. But, yep, keep going, keep it. going. Hey, I had to bring this up because I just saw it. Just throw it in there. So, uh, what was I saying? Oh, yeah, Cave is fourth at 27.6. Everyone thought Cave should have run. Adrian's sprint speed on today's play, 27.8. He was actually faster than Cave theoretically would have been. So, maybe he deserves a little bit less hate. Obviously, he shouldn't have been sent. But maybe Adrianza wasn't the, the one uh, who got – who should have been hated on here. So I'm just going to say that. I'm going to go back to look at my stats, talk weird. Yeah, I mean, I was I was actually looking at that. I was going, yep, I'm going to bring this up near the end of the podcast. I'm going to surprise everyone with that. Oh. And right after you said, uh, said that, I kind of went, all right, I'm just going to give up here. Thanks a lot, Matt. Oh, but it's all, no, it's all good. No, it's great. It was kind of funny, actually. But yeah, Martin Perez. Um, Martin Perez Martin. Okay, well, actually, like, you know. talk about him, dude. Jeez. All right, all right, all right. He's struggled, but um, certainly everyone wants him on the rotation for sure. I mean, all over Twitter, it's been get him out. But then you kind of think, who's going to replace him? Schmelzer was the guy that first came to mind. And then he kind of had a clunker against the Indians, as we talked about. It comes down to, is Thorpe ready to take on a huge, a big role as a number five starter in a pennant race when he'll certainly be pitching against the likes of the Indians on the road? I think they've got. Uh, I don't know how many games left, around 10, maybe, uh, maybe less. But against the Indians, huge pennant race coming down the road, obviously tied. You want to throw Thorpe in there, see what he can do? Or do you want to keep Perez, hope you can get back to those improvements you made at the beginning of the year? Because he certainly showed potential, and he had it, it looked like he had what it takes. Can you get Wes Johnson to fix the cutter? Which is certainly a big issue. Hitters were not hitting that well, but then they started being able to pay attention to that. And, uh, I mean, it was just not being thrown for a strike as consistently. Batters weren't swinging, and so he had to throw the fastball, which kind of, I mean, it wasn't as good, obviously, because the cutter played off of that, consist- I mean, terrifically with all those other pitches. And when he doesn't have the cutter, he's certainly not an effective pitcher, especially to right-handers. So, yeah, you got your numbers? Yeah, I do have my numbers. Uh, you did a great job. Very proud of you. Uh, I'm just yeah, going to say, before I, before I drop these, it's just been so weird because, like, uh, we it, it seems very easily identifiable what the problem is, and yet it's been a long time. It's been two, like two months now, and it doesn't seem like anything has changed. You're like, obviously they have to know. They have to be trying to change something, but at every start he goes back out there and it's like, he still can't hit the inside of the zone. Righties are still spitting on the cutter now, and uh, he's basically going to have to dry, and it's been just awful to watch. So I got the numbers. Over his last four starts, he has a 7.74 FIP, which is cartoonishly high. I didn't even know you could get that high. Uh, giving up a .402 WOBA. Uh, average WOBA is, well, I don't have the time to explain WOBA, but let's just say for simplicity's sake, .402 is very, very, very high. Uh, it's cartoonishly high. Uh, his, his slash line of 306, 355, 635, so almost 1,000 OPS there given against him if you like to use OPS a 4.86 XFIP, 
And then over his last 11 starts, over two months, a 6.21 ERA. So just a massive conglomerate of uh, a bunch of bad numbers where it's basically been like, for better or for worse, he's, well, for most certainly worse, he's back to being normal Martin Perez. It, it seems like everything that started the first month or so, it's just thrown out the window. It's His numbers now overall in the year just look very similar to just a few years ago. So we're back to square one. Yeah, solid point. It was He's the guy we all kind of went, wait, why are we signing this guy? When we signed him, he's the guy we all thought we were getting, not the improved version that we uh, saw at the beginning of the year. So, you know, I mean, not a guy you want uh, pitching for you down the run when you're tied for a division lead for the first time in a decade. Because, you know, fans want to win, and I think we all want to win, of course. But, yeah, I'd like, I guess, I don't know if we want to throw in a new guy out there like Lewis Thorpe, but then it ultimately comes back to trade deadline, but we're not going to get into that too much because I think we exhausted the heck out of that last week. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, we did exhaust that. But I'm just going to say I have I have a lot of new takes regarding this or a lot of thoughts. I don't I think I'm going to drop them all here because we're already running a little bit on the long side. But uh, I think the Twins are going to very much regret not getting another starter uh, now with the performance of Martin Perez. Because now at this point, now that there's, well, there's theoretical, there's kind of waivers, and we've already seen a waiver move of the sense, but it's, now it's just uh, claiming and uh, the team that's getting rid of them is not getting any compensation. And so the one thing we've seen so far is Kevin Gosman. And now for the Twins, you're looking at internal help or acquiring another starter from the outside, basically of the equivalent of Kevin Gosman, where you're like, he's very similar to Martin Perez in the same concept where he's got some stuff, He's got a lot of issues, and the numbers don't look good. So you're like, is he even better? Is that a better choice? Probably not. And so now that the deadline's already gone, and you didn't make that move, it's, it's, I think it's really going to come back to bite him, Cause especially when you're looking at Michael Pineda injured right now, Jose Barrios you know, kind of hopefully not breaking down, but showing signs of breaking down, and just this massive – everything's falling type of thing in the starting rotation, and you're like, we really didn't do anything to help this, did we? Oh, no. So maybe that's a little bit dramatic, but for the time time being, that's how it looks. Yep, and yep, I definitely agree. Uh, It looks bad. I mean, at the time, you were saying you didn't want to add it like a number three because if it's not an upgrade over the top one or two, what's the point? But when we don't even have, like, as of right now, depth to – after, like, you know, we don't have depth because Barrio seems to have losing it a bit. Odorizzi, he's actually been getting better, but not the most trustworthy guy in the rotation at all time. Pineda hurt. Gibson having the worst start of the season. Perez becoming Perez. And guys in the minors, you just don't know if you trust. I mean, a depth piece like Robbie Ray or someone along those lines, Mike Miner, would have been really nice right about now. But hindsight, of course, you know, would have been – at the time, we were thinking might not need it. And, of course, now that they've collapsed a little, we're thinking, well, should have done something. So, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I might go back on that where I said if there's if it's nothing better than three, then uh, I don't want it. I think I might change that because uh, a guy like Zach Wheeler would sound very, very nice right now, actually. Mm. And uh, yeah. kind of that, that theoretical part there. But I guess that's another discussion in itself. But – Mm-hmm. Uh, man, man, this is just really a sad episode. I don't like this episode at all. <laughs> this is oh, man, depressing, depressing stuff. But uh, moving on, 
to prospect talk minor leagues. Uh, we, we talked about him. We dropped his name, uh, Lewis Thorpe. Uh, he was sent down to Rochester. He was used out of bullpen twins, and he's back to starting Rochester. And his first start, he threw uh, six innings, was just absolutely phenomenal. Uh, struck out six. Uh, actually, I'm, I'm wrong. Struck out seven, gave up one hit, and that was it. It was just straight dominant. And he's going to be a guy, I think, where they're going to they stretch him out. I think they're going to continue trying to stretch him out to be back as a starter, where if they do intend to call up another starter, I think he's the first guy, and he is probably going to be the guy uh, out of anyone to potentially help be the savior, even though that's a little bit dramatic, but help at least the bullpen, or not the bullpen, the starting pitching. I think he's the guy most likely now. Yep, and we've definitely both talked about how we're both really high on him. I think he'll be in the rotation next year. I don't know if that's controversial, but maybe a little. But, you know, he's the guy that will compete for the spot. He could get a spot in there. But this year, I mean, yeah, if Perez has one or two starts, they just make you go, well, this can't keep happening. And the front office finally decides that's about enough, or, you know, just anyone, because it looks like they're going to keep throwing him out there for this Milwaukee series. If you haven't seen yet, he will be out there for game one, which should be Tuesday. Yeah, they haven't given up on him yet, so I guess uh, no thought in the rotation until Perez continues to do the thing he's currently doing. I don't know if it was – they might have already made that decision, but it might just be the logistics of that decision at this point regarding uh, Pineda being out and Thorpe not being fully stretched out as much as they'd like to. Right. But the, the way the trajectories are going, it's really – it has to happen, I think. So there's that. Yep. The next thing I want to talk about was Fernando Romero. Uh, he is not doing too high. If you remember, he bro, uh, he came back off the IL uh, in mid-July with a new arm action. I detailed that a lot to tweet, but uh, basically his arm was a lot more hidden behind his body, and it looked a bit more like a, kind of like what Lucas Giolito and Shane Bieber did uh, going from last year to this year, uh, kind of the way the arm action looks. And the end result – Oh, boy, at 18 and two-thirds, he's walked 11. And the strikeouts are there, he'll strike out 23. But uh, it's really hard to get past walking a guy. Uh, that's some rough math. That's around five or six uh, walk per nine and a 4.82 ERA. So the number's not quite there. And it's kind of disappointing because even, as, I mean, just last year we were talking about how great he is and how much we are looking forward to him. And, man, he is. It's been bumpy since, to say the least. Yeah, the uh, Fernando Romero reliever experiment, to say the very least, did not pay off. And maybe he gets put back as a starter next year. I think that might have been the plan all along. And, well, this reliever experiment, if Romero never pans out as a guy who can at least be like a solid number three starter, we'll kind of probably look back at this year at this experiment and just kind of ask, well, what was the point? I mean, it didn't work, and it kind of ruined, might have ruined his development a little if he can't get back to the form he was pitching at earlier in his minor league career. Because right now he's just, I mean, he's not even looking like a guy that, I mean, he he can be effective, but he, as you said, he walks everyone, and you just can't have that at the major league level. Yeah, like you said, it's kind of, they, they moved him to reliever, but it felt like they did it out of necessity because they didn't do anything in the offseason besides mm-hmm. signing Blake Parker, which, well, that didn't work out. So uh, they were kind of scrambling around, like, oh, what can we do to, you know, kind of like duct tape and glue this together? Oh, we'll move Fernando Romero to the bullpen. 
and just assumed that was going to be fine. And it has not been that. He was not good in, in the small sample we saw in the majors. He hasn't been good as reliever for Rochester. He hasn't even been good since changing his arm ankle. It feels like they've changed a lot about him, and it's like none of it's working. And it's, it's very frustrating because you're like, I really hope this hasn't screwed him up forever because he was there's a lot of upside. There's a lot of upside in that arm, and it feels like it's been changed for the worst this year. Yeah, definitely. So I hope they do find a way to either get him right or just put him back as a starting pitcher. Maybe shut, I'd, I guess if I was them, I'd just you know almost shut him down this year. Just well, not, not mm-hmm. shut him down, but train him back in as a starter slowly but surely. Mm-hmm. Kind of stretch him out over periods. Doesn't have to be like in actual games. Just get him used to being a starter again because the reliever experiment definitely did not pan out. Yeah, I'd, at this point, I'd much rather see him back as a starter. He seemed much more comfortable in that mm-hmm. role. So, mm-hmm. see there. Uh, next thing, kind of the exact opposite, in a way, or the same, depending on how you look at it, uh, Jorge Alcala. The uh, name might ring a bell because he was one of the guys uh, received in the Ryan Presley trade. He much hated on in the line Ryan Presley trade, but nonetheless, uh, Alcala has been at double A. Uh, he was an interesting arm, a lot of, you know, Pretty much standard, great stuff, somewhat questionable command. This year at Double A, his has not been too kind for him. I believe his uh, ERA as a starter was over six, and the peripherals for the most part were actually uh, pretty decent. But uh, over two months, you kind of like I don't think the peripherals are telling the full story here. So the Twins actually, uh, somewhat recently, I think this was in late G- uh, July, moved him to the bullpen. Uh, at double A, and he's been coming out of the bullpen, and his area there is 4.35. Uh, he's only had one, two, three, four, five outings so far, so he can't really put too much stock, ten innings. Uh, but that might be interesting because he might be now another part of the guys, uh, the group of players who could potentially come up and play at the majors uh, if they need be in September or late August. And now they move into the bullpen, and it seems so far that that might be the correct move, but just something to, you know, keep an eye on. Yep, and he was one of the guys in the uh, low minors starting rotations that you just kind of thought he'd eventually be moved to the bullpen or at least tried there, and they're trying it out, or at least I did, and they're trying it out now, and, I mean, it could, I think it might work out. I didn't really, I guess I never saw him as a true starter up here. I always thought he was going to become a reliever. So it's good to see him getting the chance, and if he succeeds, I hadn't thought of him coming up this year, but, I mean, maybe that's a possibility, like you said. Who knows? Yeah. I'm the only reason I brought it up, well, a few reasons. One is that he's Rule 5 eligible uh, this year, so he'd have to be put on the 40 man. So it's kind of, it'd feel like a guilty words one stone type deal if you call him up. Obviously, you'd have to work through how you do that specifically, but, you know, whatever. Just speaking as, like, a general type of deal. And then not only that, uh, kind of what I'm thinking of, if it's, if, like the starting rotation and bullpen and the arms still aren't working. And for the record, I looked it up because we, we choked on this either last week or two weeks ago. Uh, this September, it's still at 40-man call-ups, so you can call up uh, 40 people. Okay. Next year, will be uh, capped at 28. So this year, you can still call up everyone in the minors and have a bus full of guys, but uh, <laughs> next year will be different. So anyways, I just think he might be a part of that, where they might just shuffle through like everyone in the mother, like, all right, Gratterall, get him up here. All right, I'll call it. Get him up here. Thorpe, get him up. Just get everyone up here. We need help. <laughs> so I, it, we might see like a pipeline of just every anyone who has an ounce of talent in their arm 
just uh, beyond at double A or beyond, just get called up. I mean, yeah, like the Avengers End Game scene where they all come out of the portal, <laughs> bunch yeah. of relievers coming on out. <laughs> it's like that, except for Jake Reed. Right. You stay at Triple A. We don't like you. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone except Reed. Yeah, it's how it's gonna be again this year, isn't it? Man, it's gonna have no way. I feel bad for that guy. That is as unfortunate. Yeah, this kid's getting looked over, but that's a different thing altogether. Anyways, uh, moving on. The next thing. Oh, funny enough, I didn't even realize this till now. I want to talk about uh, Gilberto Celestino. He was actually the other guy they got in the Ryan Preston trade. I did not mean for that until I just realized it. It's kind of funny. I just wanted to bring him up because he's. Hitting really well at Cedar Rapids now. He wasn't doing too hot, but yeah, it was phenomenal in the month of July, and it seems like he's still doing it. Uh, yesterday when I wrote about him, he went five for five, and today he also got two hits. Uh, and his OPS on the year is uh, in the mid 700s, which is a lot higher than where he started, where it's more like low six, excuse me, low six uh, hundreds. Uh, it's very good to see. It'd be very nice to get him going. He's kind of Kind of what we think of, like a standard type of toolsy outfielder uh, type of guy. But a lot of upside in here. It looks like he's also Rule 5 eligible um, this year, which is interesting because he's pretty low in the minors. I don't know if they protect him or not. but Something to keep in mind, he's just doing well. So it's always nice to highlight guys that are doing well. So I wanted to do that. Yeah. Well, I hope he's listening in. Uh, we love you. <laughs> no, I don't have much to say on him, I guess. Uh, yeah, big fan of Celestino here. I don't got much to say on him. Oh, yeah, you got you hit most of it. He's hitting well, doing fine, and trade is looking all right for Presley. Although not really, because <laughs> I guess this bullpen isn't great. But you know, it's whatever. Yeah, it's Future's cool. Yeah, it's looking great. It's looking great. Yeah, everything's fine. It was a great trade. Don't worry about it. Uh, <laughs> although you did joke about it, but this is now a uh, we can add uh, Bruce Star Gratterall to a list of uh, influential members who have approved our podcast. Because uh, he did like it right. last week, so we rolling. We're out here. We now have uh, Gratterall, Lewis Thorpe, and uh, Tom Froming. So, you know that's the trifecta <laughs> right there. The, the famous three, yeah. <laughs> the famous three. There you go. Uh, I don't know how they keep finding it. I don't know why they're liking it, but hey, go ahead. Big fan. Well, you know, I put the timestamps in. I just put their name, and I wonder if they just see it. That's why oh. I gotta be careful now because. If anyone that we've talked about today goes to our podcast, I mean, we haven't talked nicely, really, except for Celestino, so let's, yeah, scary. Let's, we could have some hate from them. Let's not tag <laughs> Devin Smeltzer or anyone else. Let's let's avoid oh, doing yeah, that. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I, I might end poorly. <laughs> well, it's funny you say that because uh, I've noticed you've probably had this happen, too, where you just, like, tweet about a player and then randomly, like, some you'll you get, like, a notification. It's, like, first name and then last name is that player. Uh, same player's last name, so it's family, and it's like their mom liked your tweet or whatever. And you're like, how did she find this? What? Like, I had yep. I had someone really to Zach Littell. I don't know who it was. It might have been his sister or something, because I was like, Zach Littell is the best player's nickname, player's weekend nickname, because it was lit, and I like that. And it was like, uh, <laughs> I think it was like Allie Littell or something. I'm like, where are they finding me? I don't, This is weird. <laughs> no, yeah, that happened with. My uh, first ever couple of Sean Poppin tweets. That's why he kind of took off for me, because I tweeted about how much I love Sean Poppin. And about five of his family members came and liked my tweets, and it was kind of strange, but it was like, all right, guess I'll just keep going to this guy. I like him a lot. Wow. He ball moves, so keep rolling with Poppin and his family here. Why not? 
That's why I had his. It's funny you say that because when I uh, when I made those uh, videos of his sliders, I had his agent like and retweet it, and I think he now follows me. So there you go. Wow! All right, that's yeah. great. It's just straight. The it's an interesting situation we find ourselves in, being able to uh, rub shoulders with the best of them here. Yes, we're. I mean, we're up there with you know the greatest podcast of all time already. If you think about it. Oh yeah, hundred percent. We got. I mean, hey, you joke. Last time I checked, we had one five star rating on iTunes, so we are perfect here. That that was me. Was that actually? <laughs> no, yeah. you're joking, right? Oh, that was. Oh, I swear. I swear that was me. Yeah. Okay, this is kind of awkward now, but. Yeah, sorry. I shouldn't have even brought that up, but that was pretty funny. (laughs) There's the equivalent of, like, posting a selfie and having your grandma call you handsome. That is is what you're doing. Yeah, you post the podcast. I went there right away. Five stars. I I mean, if I was being honest, I would have given it four stars (laughs) if I didn't think it was good. But, hey. (laughs) I was being honest. No, you should have one-starred it. What are you doing? (laughs) Five stars. You're a liar. Oh, gosh. All right. Well, so back to baseball. So we've we've gone from the sad to the slightly optimistic to the just straight straight up weird. This is we're losing our minds. Okay. We're we're losing our minds. This is this is what this has done to us. We've officially gone crazy. Um, it, none of us can be saved. It's just really mad. It's, it's like one flew over the cuckoo's nest. It's something like that. Uh, we should probably wrap this up then. So looking ahead. Uh, the series. They do have Monday off. Either that's tomorrow, tonight. Depends on when you're listening to this, but they have Monday off. They'll be flying to Milwaukee for two. So, unfortunately, back to National League Baseball. I know it sucks. I don't like that, but that'll be interesting. I uh, really hope Christian Yelich decides to go easy on him because that man rakes at uh, Miller Park, and I'm very frightened. But that'll be that'll be interesting. Always interesting playing Milwaukee, and they're pretty good this year. So, that'll be fun. Then they get four in Texas. Uh, Texas not doing too hot recently. Uh, they've pretty much fallen off since the trade deadline. It seems like their front office is very well aware that was going to happen. So their their offense has just gone in the tank. Uh, they still have interesting um, starting pitching from Mike Miner and literally Lance Lynn. And being a four-game series, they're either going to get one or both. So that will be interesting. But mm, Milwaukee will be a tough team. Texas should give them some opportunities to win. But it will be – It'll be an interesting week, I think. Yeah, and uh, the first two games, we got Martin Perez game one, Kyle Gibson game two. So that means for Texas, we will have, um, well, uh, the others. I don't have it put up. MLB.com doesn't have it. My bad. Okay. Off the top of my head, Smelter, I think. Mm-hmm. So that'd be a way. back by then? Maybe. So he was put on, was it last Sunday? So it was a week ago on the 10-day. Man, I'm doing math right now. This is not good. So he'd be eligible Wednesday? Does that make Does that, does that work out? Wednesday, okay. Tuesday. Yeah, that'd be the second Brewers game. Plus there was a Monday off. There's, there'll be a off day tomorrow, the day this goes up. So they can yeah. always skip a start to someone if they need to. Yeah, they could, but... If Pineda, if it is just truly a 10-day and Pineda doesn't take more time, yeah, he could be back for Texas. So that would screw things up. But I'm fairly certain Smelter will go on the first day against Texas. All right. Yeah. So. And Gibson, Odorizzi, Rios. Got it. 
Yeah, that'll, that's this upcoming week. Um, last week we said they had to win minimum three, four would be great. How about this week, you know? Same thing. Uh, this week, minimum, um, I think you got to win six, to be honest. You're going to win all six. <laughs> minimum six to six. All right. Minimum. The maximum, then. What do you, you got to do it? Maximum. Uh, maximum, maximum seven. You got to make a game up there somehow. <laughs> you don't have to have it. Win seven to six. All right, that's great. <laughs> Win seven to six. That would be impressive. That would get people back. That'd, that'd be, I mean, yeah, it'd be something. I, I mean, yeah, that'd be pretty crazy. I guess if you think about it, because it's like impossible. But hey, who knows? Yeah. The the twins break mathematics. It'd be uh, the only way this season could somehow get weirder. Yeah. It wouldn't be, I mean, we'd kind of get on the podcast and be like, yep, so the Twins did that. Moving on to, you know, did Perez do his job? And that's, start <laughs> up. Perez do his job. Byron Buxton's still in the IL, you know, the general stuff. Yeah, just the usual yeah. stuff. It's all good. That's yeah, that's, that's going to be the, this upcoming week. Hope they, hope they win five. That's my, that's my goal. Go five and one. That'd be nice. Five, yeah. Five would be, it'd be very nice to, it, it's just refreshing if they could, not only play good baseball against good teams, but beat good teams and have, like, just a solid week. Because had so many before this week, you know, this was a bad week. But so many weeks before, it was just like four and three, four and three, four mm-hmm. and three. And you're like, yeah, they did solid. They're getting by. But now that, you know, you have this nuclear warhead of a team uh, tied with you, you're like, uh, just getting by is not going to be good enough at this point. you gotta, you got to be dominant. You can't just be good. So... They're going to have to do it, and they're going to have to kickstart it themselves. You got no momentum, you got to start it yourself. Have fun. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I guess that wraps up what we got here. I mean, what's, what's up now? We just self-promote for, for a while. You know, people go read us oh. stuff. Yeah, go read our stuff. Yeah, we self-promote, I guess. So, <laughs> uh, I'll be previewing that Texas series. Man, I already previewed Texas. It's not very fun when I re-preview a team. Man, that always gets annoying. Yeah. That's, uh, this is the third time I've done this. Although Texas, a lot of a lot of different places I can go music-wise, so that is nice. Um, <laughs> Cleveland, I was limited to Nine Inch Nails, which is a solid choice, uh, nonetheless. And I was able to make a good pun out of that, but I don't like being limited. Texas, very wide open. I like that. So I'll be doing that. Uh, see, for game, that'll be up uh, Thursday. I'll be writing that Wednesday. And then Saturday, Minor League Reports. I might... Do another article this week. I'm not sure. I was supposed to write one. I, I said I was going to write one. It'd be up Friday about, like, uh, uh, you know, other World Series teams and when they, quote, unquote, went for it. But then Ted wrote a very similar article, and I was like, he basically nailed all my points, whatever. You know, as Ted does when he steals my content. Thanks, Ted. Yeah. Uh, JK, I love you. JK, I love you. I, I just – sometimes we think very similar, which gets, it gets uh, a bit weird. Yeah, that was funny. I was like, I remembered you saying that, and as I was reading that story, I kind of went, "Isn't this exactly what Matt told me he was gonna write?" But it was, it was good. It was a very good. Piece. It was very, it was very similar. But I, I was like, "Wait, I thought I emailed that I was gonna do this. How'd that happen?" <laughs> I, and I even like started and everything. I was written. I wrote about how the Cubs at the trade deadline acquired uh, Tommy Hunter and Dan Heron, and I'm like, "This is the hard hitting content people want." And then <laughs> gone. It never didn't need it. So unfortunate. Nice. Yeah, I was like, did they collaborate or something? Because this is way, like, word for word, like, what I thought you were going to do. But, yeah. no. Yeah. Well, oh, good. And for me, I guess I got 
I got Sunday game recaps about today's. So I don't know why you'd ever want to go back and read a game recap that already happened, but I mean, if you want on Wednesday or whatever, go read my game recap. Go ahead. Always good. <laughs> yeah, why not? I mean, it's upcoming. Yeah, I mean, just relive the game. And then this upcoming Wednesday, uh, I, I'm going to write basically depending on how this next couple games goes because I'm in a bad mood right now with the Twins and I don't know what I'm going to write yet. We'll see. It'll be good. I promise. All right. Interesting. We're now in the abusive relationship section of the, uh, <laughs> of the season, which is a uh, – it happened a bit later than I think a lot of people were thinking, but the fact that it happened at all is very frustrating. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, we went from, like, a know. lot of positive, 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 and then just a down downhill spiral in this one of negativity. <laughs> That's what happens when eleven and a half games turns into zero. We're early. It'd be, makes sense. Yeah. it'd be very funny to listen to some of the earlier stuff we were talking about. Where it's probably just mm-hmm. like, so you know, nineteen twenty-seven Yankees or twenty nineteen Twins? Who would you want? And you're like, hmm, good question. And now it's just like we gotta. This guy's outperforming his peripherals by like a little bit, so we can't use him at all because we can't. You know. <laughs> working, working on such an edge, we can't have this. We got a DFA a guy who's above average, like you know, we're yeah. getting crazy over here. No. I guarantee you, we like we both just kind of writ like wrote off the Indians in like episode two of this. I think I remember that we both just kind of said, "Yeah, we're done with them. They're not catching up. Just watch yeah. the Yankees. Don't care about them. Who cares?" And now the Twins, you know, it's gonna be tough to just win a division. That's probably true. It's probably true. Although in in my mind, I was I was never fully on that. I was just like, I don't trust these rat bastards. They got something up their sleeve. They're gonna <laughs> do something. I don't I don't like this at all. Too. Even when they weren't doing well, I checked the game. I checked the games and be like, all right, good, they're losing. Oh yeah. Even even I when they're like achieving every time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even when the Twins were like ten games up, I'm like, these bastards gotta lose. I don't like this at all. But yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, I was always watching. I, I'd never stopped paying attention to them. I just kind of said, you know, Twins shouldn't blow an 11 half lead because that just doesn't happen. But here we are yeah. complaining about the 71 and 47 Minnesota Twins. That's yeah. what I thought. You see, and the the thing is, I guess we lied because we're not ending it. This is what we do now. We just end talking about other stuff. Yeah. But Ed, I've seen a lot of people talking about it where it's just like the the Twins have choked. I don't think it's the Twins choking as yeah. much as it has literally been Cleveland being the best team in baseball since June onwards. I think that's more of the problem. So you got to give them a lot of credit on that front. The Twins obviously haven't been as good, but when you're, like you said, 71 and, what, 46, 47? What was that? Yeah, 47. 47. When you're 24 games above 500, and you're talking about how your team choked, mm, I, I don't think that's entirely fair to the team. <laughs> I think you do have to give some credit yeah. to the team that tied them and has forced this situation in the first place. Yeah, definitely. At the beginning of, you know, when we were up by 11 and a half, you know, you'd, heard, you'd hear things like, in order for the Twins to blow this lead, the Indians would have to go on a 750 winning percentage the rest of the year. And what did they do? They did exactly that. So, yeah. like, the Twins play 500 ball. This is what the Indians have to do. It's impossible. But, you know, they did exactly that. It looks like they're still going to keep going because – yeah. They're insane, and I don't know what's up with them. Yeah, it's, uh, I, this is entirely Aaron Gleeman's fault, because he was the one posting all that crap. Yep. This is his, blame it, it's not yep. him. Because we all just like threw our heads back and laughed. We're like, ha, 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 that would be ridiculous. Such an outcome could never happen. 
And then a few months later, we're all <laughs> biting our teeth. It's like, ah, damn it, it happened. Oh, it happened. Oh, no. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what I was referring to, though. I just didn't want to throw names out there, but no, I know it's all good. No, we call, we call yeah. it people in this. <laughs> um, yeah, even though our tapes from, from, like, one to five are probably all, you know, skewed, but hopefully no one listened to those, so we can just pretend. So, yeah. Look at yeah, that show. No one. Well, considering I, I know the view count from those episodes, no one did. So I think we're, <laughs> I think I think we're fine on that. I don't think anyone's gonna have cold take. Yeah, really, just Tom. We got to make sure Tom doesn't remember any of it. Oh shoot! Yeah, he's on the one consistent. All right, Tom, please don't get us. It'd be very mean of you. So I don't want that. So yeah, but I guess you know that's all we got. Unless we got another talking point here. No, let's, let's wrap this up. We just stop going on ramps just randomly. This is our longest podcast. It might have been. I, I guess I'll see Yeah, so all I've got to say is enjoy the ride. It's going to be fun. We'll be back every week. And uh, and the Twins are playing the Mets in the World Series. We'll be podcasting all about that, too. So see you next week. Bye. Yeah. yeah.